everybody. Welcome to Threepcast, episode 12. On this episode, we are going to be finally discussing, at long last, Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. We finally made it. We did it. We did it. We got here. It was many years in the making. We finally did it. Um, I'm Elliot. I'm Anton. I'm Alex. And we are going to be giving you guys the lowdown, all the fun facts, cool... uh, opinions <laughs> for all you attractive all, people who listen all, to all you cool yeah cool people with attractive podcasts we're gonna be talking about sbcg <laughs> didn't make any sense sbcg4ap so you consider us an attractive podcast send us some feedback <laughs> send us some will you marry me? rate us five stars on no, itunes marry the podcast <laughs> so um yeah how has everybody been doing since we last recorded alex do you want to go first uh okay uh, I didn't have this prepared. <laughs> you should go. <laughs> what have you done with your life for the last month and a half? School and the fire emblem. I okay. married oh. all of the hottest waifus. Yeah, you should talk about your fire emblem uh, dating mm. simulator. So fire emblem, for those not in the know, is a game which is supposed to be about turn-based strategies, but actually it's about <laughs> finding a guy, an anime guy and an anime girl, pairing them up. And you send them into battle together, and little hearts come out of their heads after they murder someone. And they murder enough people <laughs> the together. The murder brings them together. It brings them together. This, this, the horrors of war. Then they get married, and then they send their baby into the baby void, and it makes it grow up fast. So then you so do they, a level, and then the you baby can... baby can join them in combat. <laughs> yes. And then two people's babies can also marry, but they don't make babies, I don't think. I don't know. So anyway, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty great. It's the anime baby simulator. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you guys ever heard of Massive Chalice? Yeah. No. So it's a, uh, a, a, it's, a, a, a an RTS that Double Fine did recently. It's where other actual second Kickstarter. Right, where the idea is that you are... I think, I haven't actually played it. You're fighting, but you're, the war you're fighting is, like, over several generations. So the idea is that you're supposed to, like, you know, yeah. like... Uh, Marry you know, your best units. I, th- I think it's like that. I think it's similar to what Fire Emblem does. Grow right? strong babies. You, well, yeah, you're supposed to like, yeah, raise children to like fight your battles, and it <laughs> it spans like multiple generations. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's cool. Anything else? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just living that waifu lifestyle. Mm. The wife, the wife style. Don't Phil married the worst waifu. I don't. Phil's, Phil's not here to uh, defend, to defend himself. No, he's he married the worst waifu. It was bad in every way you can imagine. <laughs> Uh, okay, Anton, what have you been up to? Well, I'm the reason this podcast is multiple weeks late. <laughs> because I was supposed to be playing Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People, SBCG 4AP, and instead I got a job and I was moving and everything was boxes. <laughs> and finally, after buying like a dozen shelves and constructing them, then I was like, now I have time. So then I played Strong Bad. Um, and that was about it. It was buying shelves and other expensive items and playing Strong Bad and playing the first, like, eight levels of Fire Emblem and then getting stuck because it was a hard level and I'm playing on hard mode. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Yay. That's all I got. Um, okay, well, for me, what I've been up to since the last time we recorded, uh, I took a trip to California and among other things, I decided to go visit a video game museum in Oakland and uh, I, I apologize, I forgot what the name of the museum was specifically. Oakland's cool, Oakland's cool game, yeah, cool museum for attractive games. <laughs> anyway, they had a lot of really cool game history, like a lot of like really obscure consoles and 
huge library of games for pretty much every console, but they had a lot of cool adventure game stuff too. They had a uh, a Maniac Mansion NES cartridge signed by Ron Gilbert, so that, that was pretty cool. Um, they had a ton of like King's Quest companion players guides. And unfortunately, they had this policy at the museum that you're not supposed to touch anything. Because I really wanted to just pick all these things up and leaf through them. They had a box, a Day of the Tentacle box. and uh, Was it a triangle box? It was not the triangle box, Ooh, unfortunately. Not worth my time. Still have not witnessed the triangle box in real life. Um, Will they make one for the remastered? I, <laughs> that would be so cool if they, they developed more, rem- or, or more triangle boxes Yeah, when the remastered version comes out. I wouldn't buy that. Um, other thing I did, uh, recently was I recorded my answering machine message for Thimbleweed Park. Uh, for those who, uh, are in the know on Thimbleweed Park, um, basically it's a, a new point and click game that Ron Gilbert is working on in the style of Maniac Mansion. One of the uh, backer rewards, if you backed at a certain level, um, you get to appear in a phone book that's in the game that's involved with one of the other puzzles. So basically, they list all the backers who backed at a certain tier inside this phone book. And if you call the number that's in the phone book on, you know, whatever phones are available in the game, I'm, I'm presuming, you get a voicemail message from the backers themselves. So I went ahead and recorded mine and submitted it. I, I was procrastinating for several weeks <laughs> on what to record exactly, because I was trying to think of something that was funny, but not, like, too self-referential and too like weird i was trying to go for like a something that you might expect to see in a ron gilbert yeah. adventure game that kind of did you did you plug the podcast in your- <laughs> no i did not i did not do any self plugs <laughs> what did you do so um well the first thing like i the only thing that i was pretty sure from the start was i wanted to use one of our character voices mm-hmm. that we do for like videos and stuff so i decided i was going to do the the liar exaggerate voice Mm -hmm. the like sleazy business van voice or like hello you've reached a phone of elliot ridgeway so i did that voice i I, Uh. well i don't want to spoil it see i want you guys (laughs) if you get thimbleweed park Uh, i want you to dial us number and hear is it out yet no it's not out yet can i play it right now maybe if you're listening to this in like the year 2017 wow we're gonna review it in the year like 2019 when we get to our cue hey hey, listeners if you're listening in 2017 tell me who won the election No. Are we living in Trump land? <laughs> and or do we have time machines to go tell Alex? <laughs> I'm waiting. Come on, any second now. Uh-huh. Wow. Anyway, um, <clears throat> my number in Thimbleweed Park is 5739. So if anyone is interested in giving my answering machine a call in the game. You mean your extension? My extension. Yes, it's 57. Oh. Why? What did I say? Oh, just for number. No, I'm. I'm I don't know if it's gonna list the whole like ten digit number, or if it's gonna be. I I don't know how they're gonna. My my unique extension is five seven three nine. Um. So that's that. I I don't know if there's anything else adventure game related that I've been up to. I've been playing through Mother Three, trying to uh, beat it since I've been procrastinating for years on playing this game now hold on a second i heard mother 3 has never been released in the u.s how did you play it in the u.s <laughs> legally legally <laughs> with legal means i was gonna, i was trying to get you guys to talk about the english translation oh yeah there's a there's a fan pa- translation patch that's pretty solid that so. you can get too <laughs> let's move on to the news <laughs> okay <laughs> before the nsa shuts us down for discussing illegal things yes clearly we go to jail. We're gonna go to jail. But first, we're gonna go to the news. Here's the news. 
Okay, so adventure game news. Um, first item of the month is Firewatch came out recently. Um, and unfortunately, I don't know that much about the game other than <laughs> you like walk through the woods. <laughs> well, it, wait, well, so is it an adventure game or is it just a, a walking simulator? It's a walking through the woods so simulator. I, uh, I brought it up as an adventure game. Or within the context of adventure games, because I think it's there's at by... least one ex Telltale developer who worked uh, on it. No, actually, the writers for Walking Dead Season 1 did the story. Oh, okay, so it's multiple Telltale. Yeah. Well, Walking Dead Season 1 TV or Walking Dead Season uh, 1 the game. Telltale? The game. Uh, I'm sorry, okay. I, I That's just cool. assumed. So, do you guys know anything about the game? Like, I've heard really good things about it. Like, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be really immersive and interesting. All I know about it is that people on my Twitter were posting GIFs of uh, if you swivel the camera back and show what the player model actually looks like when it's not first person. And it's just so disproportionate and this is wonderful. <laughs> That's all I know about the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is all I know is, is the meme side of the game. Well, I've heard that it's okay, but you should you should wait till it's on sale to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> because we're all internet cheapskates uh-huh. of the modern era. Hey, I'm assuming you're a smart man and you play on PC, so hey. you, can, you can get it on sale. Alright, so uh, other thing that happened recently, uh, The Walking Dead Michonne came out from Telltale. Um, I've not had time to play this, but it looks good. You guys should play it. So explain to me what is this, because I know there's The Walking Dead Season 1, there's Season 2, and then there's that 200 days thing. It's 400 days, actually. 400 days so, to get right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've not been following The Walking Dead at all. Is this just more story stuff? It's more story. Okay. I think, so the Is order... Is a full season? No, I think it's three episodes long, so it's like half of a like mini season. Yeah, it's like a mini season. Okay. So far, so like, season one, 400 days, and season two go in chronological order, and they um. kind of follow the same group of people-ish. Um... I am not sure how Michonne is connected, or if it crosses over with the rest. So the thing with The Walking Dead is it like kind of sprawls off in all these different directions, like different groups of people and different factions, and it's not always clear on if they're going to like come into each other's spheres of contact. So I'm not sure where Michonne lands as far as like the Telltale continuity, but I do know that Michonne is a character from the comics and I think the TV show also. So they decided to make a game about her because apparently she's a popular character. So, um, that's that. I, I think it looks good. I just haven't gotten around to playing it yet, but all of Telltale's Walking Dead games are generally high quality, so this seems to be of the same caliber. Um, what else? Let's talk about Zero Escape 3. Um, so, many of you may remember a few episodes ago we did the first Zero Escape game, at Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. And there's a sequel, Virtue's Last Reward, which is on the uh, the docket coming up in a few months. Phil has asked us to include on the list. Mm-hmm. But now there's a third game coming out. Does anyone know what the subtitle is? I do not. I could probably look it up. They just recently announced uh, more details about the game in a recent Famitsu article. They sort of showed the list of characters and some basic, like, I don't know, plot details. So uh, as far as you know, it's going to follow the same format as the other two games, yeah. where it's like you're locked in a space. Is Santa going to be in it? More more nonary fun. <laughs> more nonary game no, fun. No, Santa is... Shh, just can't, can't go into spoilers. <laughs> um, yeah, but the director has promised that it will be even more dark, violent, and edgy than the previous two games. <laughs> Great. He, yeah, yes. That was the yes. So I don't think he's being, I think he's being a little facetious, but it'll probably be pretty dark. So... 
Um, on that, on a similar note, um, there was a game that was recently uh, ported to PC uh, called Dangan Rampa. Dangan Rampa. I think I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. It's but got a bear on the picture. <laughs> Basically, so the picture bear. It, it was originally just for PSP or, or PS Vita, the PlayStation or something. I'm an old man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So the the idea of the game is it's similar to 999 in that you're you play a group of kids who are locked in a high school, and then there's this sadistic bear that shows up and tells you that nobody can leave until one of them commits an act of murder, mm. or, or gets caught or something. I'm not I'm not sure. Like. It's like so. Imagine if you took nine nine nine, like the claustrophobia of nine nine nine, and then crossed it with like Phoenix Wright investigative like deduction type puzzles. Mm. And then apparently it's also a rhythm game. I'm not sure how that fits <laughs> no, into. No, hold on, okay. hold on. I feel like we're getting getting off adventure games if we're talking about rhythm detective. Well, but Phoenix Wright and nine nine nine, like those that kind of visual novel mm-hmm. format, that's mm. generally considered an adventure game okay, format. Fine. So. It's it's a hybrid game, Alex. We'll How big this... is the rhythm? We'll put it I at the back know. of the docket, like in, oh. in the, the year twenty twenty. <laughs> expect to hear us playing the PC version of Danganronpa. <laughs> yeah, so that was the news. This game has been out for a while, but it it was recently ported to PC, yeah. so you can get it on Steam now. I think there are multiple multiple sequels for PlayStation something. Some one of those PlayStation. One of them PlayStations. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, so Deponia Four came out. Or, or was it announced, or did it come out? It came out, okay. I think. So what is this game? Well, I don't know anything. <laughs> Anton, do you know anything about Deponia? Well, they made a trilogy of Deponia games. They're all pretty well-reviewed. Everyone seems to like them. We'll probably play them eventually. I've never gotten to play one. Anyway, so they made a trilogy, and that kind of rounded off the story, but they were like, well, we don't want to just stop here, so we're going to make a fourth one and just continue it anyway. So, so now they're, they're doing that. Well, I mean, what, what's the premise of the game? I don't know. It's this guy. He's got a brown hat. <laughs> well, okay then. I think there's like a city in the sky or something. I don't know. We'll find out eventually. Yeah, Deponia One is on our schedule. It's is it for this year? Yes. Okay. Later. It's like July or August or something for Woo! this year. So we will get to Deponia One eventually. But there's a fourth game that just came out. Yeah. You should check it out. Also, Shardlight came out. Yeah, uh, what's Shardline? Well, we discussed that on a previous oh, episode. Okay. <laughs> it's just from, it's the latest Wajidai Games game. From, from the makers of Gemini Ru. It's oh. all post-apocalyptic, and it's all, like, technology punk. <laughs> I think... <laughs> uh, gotta keep moving. We okay. got so much news. Next news. Next news. Abduction uh, had a new teaser trailer recently. What's Abduction? Abduction is the kickstarted game from the creators of Mist. It's a spiritual successor oh, to Mist. Oh, I remember hearing about Wow. That. Next news. <laughs> <laughs> did you get voicemail on Abduction? No, I did not. I, I can't remember what tier I donated it for Abduction. Did you so donate for, the, this gold, is one the of golden those... statue of yourself so, scanned into I, a computer tier? No. Uh. I, uh, so Abduction, so you have different levels of involvement with various Kickstarter projects. Abduction is on the caliber of, I gave them some money, I'm going to get the game when it comes out, but I don't really care about their behind-the-scenes <laughs> updates. I just check the Kickstarter emails to see if the game is out yet, and if it's not, I just move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same. Same. That's me with every Kickstarter. So it's coming out in June, though. So it's going to be out this year. Cool. So cool, cool. Uh, what else? Uh, uh, I, know, I know this is a bit off topic, but can you kickstart things other than games? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can kickstart whatever you want. Yeah, all sorts of things. <laughs> okay. Some guy kickstarted mashed potatoes. <laughs> that was uh, what was it? It was like a 
potato salad. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was, it was potato salad. He kickstarted like making potato salad. <laughs> okay. He like wanted to raise ten dollars. He got so much money. He got so much money. He had it through a giant party where he just gave everyone potato salad. And it was <laughs> anyway, okay. um, so one last piece of news. Coming back to Thimbleweed Park, they released a new character trailer. It was pretty cool. Um, I'm just gonna throw the audio in here so you guys can listen to it. Thimbleweed Park, the new trailer. Ow! Hit me with that. Oh. Are you mad ahead with that trailer, son? None of us were prepared for what we'd find that night. Or how much it would change us all. I arrived just as the sun began its slide into the slumber of a dark night. The town stank of a desperate longing to be what it once was. A body was found in the river, bloated and pixelated from a decay of a death come too soon. A victim of the violence we bring on each other in the pursuit of our dreams turned to nightmares. A boyish-looking and dangerously naive Junior Agent Ray has got there before me. I introduced myself as Special Agent Ray and immediately began to doubt if the body would suit my needs. The plan was to ditch Reyes, and I hoped it would be that simple. I didn't want to think about what would happen if it got complex. I didn't need someone poking around. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was wrong with this town. The town spoke in hushed and lowered voices of a dark magic I found hard to take seriously. Then a couple of pigeons told me about the signals and I knew. I knew that this was all part of something bigger. Something bigger than I planned for. So, uh, that was Thimbleweed Park, the trailer. Um, I have no idea when that's coming out. I may, my might, if I paid closer attention to the Kickstarter updates. Hey, viewer, if you want to know when it comes out, there's a lovely thing called Google. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, not available to us easily at we the We can't moment. Google the future, though, so we don't know when it's coming out. Right. Uh, that's it for news, I think. Does anyone else have any news they want to bring up that's related to adventure games? <laughs> Well, I actually Alex's, kind of wanted Alex's to smiling evil. Want, kind of wanted to walk back my uh, grumpiness about Star Mazer that I expressed last time <laughs> on the Broken Age episode. Yeah, I wasn't it, that grumpy. Oh, okay, I was, I was complaining that I didn't think that they'd actually done anything in the in the interval since I kickstarted it or helped them kickstart it or whatever. So this is podcast corrections. From podcast Anton. corrections from Anton. Anton. undoing our grumpiness. They hold actually on. have. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Start, start correction music. Uh, well, they actually showed. <laughs> <coughs> I've got to thanks Alex. I have to find some correction music. Yeah, we got to have music. We got to do it. Oh, that'd be. Anyways, so they actually showed some footage of the game actually running. They're working. You're working on the shoot 'em up side of it first, but it looks pretty solid. So I'm I'm, I'm going to stop complaining about it. Okay. Hmm. So that I'm was not... an adventure game, right? Yeah, it's an adventure game uh, bullet hell mashup. It looks pretty great. It's apparently coming out in the eventual future. And correction music? I'm imagining light guitar. Anyway. I'm imagining like thunder. <laughs> I'm imagining like piano. Like light, light jazz. Smooth light jazz. jazz. Smooth jazz. <laughs> Relax, the audience. Okay, it's the end of the news, you guys. Get out! <laughs> just play the ELO news music backwards. This is the news. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's how it sounds.
Alrighty, so uh, we're gonna get into Strong Bad's cool game for attractive Pepple. Yeah. At the moment, Strong so Bad's cool game for attractive Pepple. So, um, it's time for everyone's favorite section. As soon as I get it pulled up. This is the Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Hold on, hold on. Uh, like be, be, like wait, 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 wait. <laughs> be, begin Wikipedia music. Okay. Well, <laughs> we gotta do, we, I guess we have the countdown song. That's true. But not really an intro jingle. But no, 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 like, I'm, like a Can backer. somebody time uh, me? Does anyone have a uh, stopwatch? I do. All right. Uh, hey. So, uh, hey. 90 seconds of dank, strong, bad facts. <laughs> dank. Dank. Tell me when. Okay. Three, two, one, go! Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People is an episodic graphic adventure game based on the Homestar Runner web cartoon, with Strong Bad as the lead character. It is developed by Telltale Games. A total of five episodes are released for Microsoft Windows and WiiWare between August 2008 and December 2008. Uh, Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People uses point-and-click mechanics. Apart from the point-and-click, each episode features an old-school arcade-style minigame. Uh, let's see. Development. The series was first hinted at in a Homestar Runner short posted on YouTube called Strong Bad Gameways, a parody of pre-flight safety demonstrations with the Wii Remote. The game itself was officially announced on April 10th, 2008 in a press release from Telltale Games. According to Mark Dare and lead designer of the series of Telltale Games, both Mike and Matt Chapman, the creators of Homestar Runner, were quite involved in the production process of the games, even early on. Quote, in the design phase, we have brainstorming sessions with them where they contribute to the ideas that will eventually become the plot of the episodes. Then one of our designers will write the episode script and pass that along to the brothers where they review, edit, and rewrite whatever they feel necessary to make the whole thing feel more strong baddie. Um, reception. Uh... This part of the, the Wikipedia article is fairly redundant, but pretty much all five episodes were generally well-received by critics, and um, I'm assuming it sold well for Telltale. Oh, and here's another thing. There's going to be a second season, but they didn't. Well, Wikipedia <laughs> says there's going to be a second season if the first season does well, so I'm assuming maybe it didn't do so well for Telltale. Did read the entire Wikipedia article within the 90 seconds? I, I skipped around a bit. Okay. Um, uh, end Wikipedia music. Um, yeah, well, I'm, yeah. Anyway, that's that's the facts about Strong Bad. Um, yep, I think is the, this is the first Telltale game we've done, right? Yeah. So this will be kind of interesting because it's, you know, episodic, but we decided to take the whole season and treat it as a single game. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I don't know about you guys, I'm just going to approach this as like a single game unit rather than talk about each episode individual and just kind of jump works. around. Because usually with the Telltale seasons, there's like a cohesive plot that connects all the games together. Maybe less so with Strong Bad. Like, it's well, not it's not as serialized as like, mm, say, Tales of Monkey Island. Right. Like, you could pick up any Strong Bad episode and you'd pretty much be okay. That's true. But it's like, they're kind of a cohesive unit. It's like, you can consider them all together. And it kind of yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we're going to follow the usual format for this. Um, we'll, excuse me, we'll talk about the game generally at first, and then we'll break. We'll come back and talk about spoilers and specific puzzles. Um, yeah. So, who wants to go first? Ellie! <laughs> I tag you. Okay, I'll go first. Tag it. Get my thoughts out of the way. Um, so, I... This is this is my second time going through the whole season. Um, the first time I played through it was as it was coming out in 2008. And at the time, I remember being a whole lot more critical of this game than I was on this most recent playthrough. Um, like, I don't know. We, we had just discovered Homestar Runner at the same time that they 
announced the game. Like, it was thanks to Telltale that we all got into Homestar Runner. So that summer before the first episode came out, we kind of saturated ourselves with, like, every <laughs> single Homestar cartoon we could get our hands on. And um, so I, I think because of that, when the games, as they came out originally, I think I was, like, hypercritical of their quality because I was, like, trying to, like, cross-reference all of this new content with all of like the, the cartoons mm. that I, I, you know, grown to love over the last couple of months. So, you know, there'd be like some random line that strong bad would say in the game. And I'm like, well, that was not up to snuff with, you know, Homestar runner humor. Gosh, telltale. <laughs> and so I, I remember being a lot more like on edge about the quality of the games and like feeling like, man, Telltale had better to pull this off kind of thing. <laughs> but in hindsight, like on this most recent playthrough of the games, I found that I was a lot more... I enjoyed them a whole lot more on the whole. Um, I don't know if that's just because, like, do you know, I don't feel as passionate about Telltale having to, like, make perfect games anymore, or if it's the uh, the perspective that, like, Homestar Runner kind of tapered off after the games came out and there's not as many cartoons... So, like, to come back to these games and, like, revisit some of these situations and jokes that I'd kind of forgotten about, it's kind of like getting to experience a new Homestar cartoon. Mm-hmm. Now that we're kind of, like, living in a time when a Homestar cartoon is a more rare thing, yeah. I, I was a lot more appreciative of all of the jokes and puzzles and just, I don't know, I just generally, like, enjoyed everything. I didn't have all that many complaints with the game this time. Like, I felt like it was all, you know, really nicely done. I, I would say... um, the one thing that Telltale is consistently strong at is that they know how to make their games fit into the universe that they are they're uh, working with. So this, to me, this feels like a perfect like mirror image of uh, the uh, the dot cartoons, I guess. Like you know, you hand some licenses off to game developers and then they just kind of go off and do their own thing. But this feels very respectful and accurate, I guess of Homestar Runner, like it doesn't nothing, pretty much nothing that happens feels out of place, to where you you'd see something you think, oh well, that wouldn't fit in a in a Homestar cartoon, you know. Well, <laughs> well, let, let me finish my thoughts. Asterisk. <laughs> let me finish my thoughts. Um, I, I would also say that this game feels about as comprehensive of the Homestar Runner universe as possible. Like I feel like they didn't miss out on any potential jokes or or homages to like tangential Homestar characters that they could have like. You know, Limousine was in it, um, Cheat Commandos were referenced several times, you had Stinko Man, That's true. you had Trogdor, like, pretty much all the, like, main characters that you'd hope to see in a Homestar Runner game were there. I didn't feel like anybody got short-shrifted. Hey, Steve! Was A. Steve not in there? No! Oh, okay. Yeah, the Goblin wasn't in there. Yeah, it was the Green Goblin! But... But, but, oh, it had, but, it, but it had it had the painting. Strong Bad's old computer creepy, is running. It had the creepy painting. Green Goblin. Mm, here's the diddle dance. I'll put the dance. Spooky dance. Well, okay. <clears throat> I can I, I can rescind that comment if necessary. <laughs> to me, as I know, I, I well, felt just, they have so many characters. They please, do get re- everything. please begin correction. <laughs> <laughs> you re- yeah yeah okay okay. I I realize that realistically you couldn't have put every single Homestar in our card cartoon character in there but i, I still though, felt like yeah. it was fairly comprehensive like they got a lot of a lot a lot of the homestar <laughs> universe in there it's like we we all like dove in so deep into strong bad stuff like w- anticipating the games coming out so it's like i have no idea what these games would be like somebody who didn't bother to like watch any of the cartoons <laughs> they're just playing it straight it's like would this make any sense yeah. to you <laughs> i don't know right um they're very unapologetic about the homestar inner humor 
Because it's, it's, so, like, it's so absurdist. It's so, yeah, it's so absurdist and, like, insular, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just in-jokes built on other in-jokes. Right, yeah, we yeah we did a comment about that on the on the previous mini-sode we did about how, like, the Homestore is just these in-jokes that fold in on themselves. <laughs> There's, like, hard to, like, get it if you're not already in on, on all the jokes. So, yeah, but the Telltale series never, like, apologizes for it or tries to explain it. They just, like, roll with it. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things I like about it. It, it really captures how enthusiastic like Homestar Runner fandom was at that time when it was kind of at the height of its popularity. Like one of the things that I remember hearing about at the time that I think kind of captures like how much Telltale cared about the universe was they made some announcement at some point during development. Like it's just hard for me to imagine this now looking back on how Homestar Runner is kind of a niche thing. Apparently there is such a debate about where things would be in relation to other things like, where is the stick in relation to Bub's concession stand? And, like, certain people were afraid that <laughs> Telltale would, like, nail these things down when people had fixed it in your minds, like, it should be organized spatially <laughs> some other way. So that's why they came up with the uh, the design of the map in Strongbed where you can, like, draw the locations wherever you want so that people could organize the Homestar <laughs> Inner Universe however they chose. <coughs> and to me, that's, like, so weird. That... Excuse me, sorry. That was a thing. <coughs> Right, that, um, yeah, that people, this would be like a contested point that people would care about. <laughs> you know, now I, I just kind of feel like, whatever, I don't care if the stick is next to Bub's concession stand. But yeah, it's just, it, it's like they, they did the game at the perfect time for for the Homestar Runner uh, community to where mm-hmm. it was, um, like, right at when it was, like, at, you know, peak popularity and everybody was in on this stuff. It wasn't like, you know, the Homestar Runner reunion tour where they came back and did it, like, after the site kind of stopped updating kind of thing. Well, at the same time, when I talked to people at Homestar Runner after we'd gotten into it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I used to watch that way back in, like, 2002, man. Yeah, that's true, though. But, I mean, they were still putting stuff out pretty right. consistently up to, yeah. like, 2009. This is also true. But, yeah, I think, yeah. It just depends on who you talk to. Right. I don't know, um... I guess you could argue that 2002-2003 was, with, like, at the height of its popularity. I, I, I don't know. Well, it definitely <clears> seemed <throat> like they had a lot of stuff going on at that time. In 2008, for yeah, sure. Yeah, because of the games and the cartoons, and then... Right, they were know. still making DVDs, and yeah. speed mails were, like, once a week-ish, I think. Mm-hmm. Honestly, yeah, I don't yeah. remember how frequently they yeah, were. It was once a week. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was anyway, that, that was kind of just talking about, like, all the stuff around the game. Um as far as the game itself, uh, like I said, I was much. I enjoyed this game a whole lot more the second time through than I did the first time, and um, I don't really have that much to complain about it. I, I I had a very like positive experience. I thought all the jokes were nailed, like pretty much across the board. Like I didn't feel like there were any clunkers in there. Um, yeah, music. I mean, the music was straight out of the cartoons. Can't can't complain <laughs> about the music yeah. at all. Uh, yeah, voice acting. I mean, it was it was all Mike Chapman doing it, so you know, voice acting was was on point. Chapman. What? It's Matt Chapman. Did I say Mike Chapman? Yeah. Oops, sorry. Gosh. Matt, excuse me. Correction Matt. music. <clears throat> Please begin correction music. <laughs> it was Matt Chapman, not Mike Chapman. Please end correction music. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Uh, what else? Um, I mean, I've had to complain about something. Is probably that the puzzles were too easy just in general. Um, I felt like episode three had a nice density for an episodic game in terms of like how many puzzles and you know they're each each puzzle's difficulty. I, I thought episode three was good. 
Episodes four and five uh, annoyed me still slightly because I felt like both of those were just fall out of bed easy. Um, especially episode four. I was really cheesed off with episode four the first time it came out. <laughs> I was like, man, this game is so easy. I'm not being challenged at all. But uh, this time I like sort of appreciated more the uh, the story and like the whole conceit of uh, well, I don't know if this is spoilers or not, but the you know the whole story side of episode mm-hmm. four so even though there weren't that many puzzles to it like the story was so goofy i, I enjoyed it in well, spite of not really spoilers because you could just jump in and play episode four and not yeah well yeah it doesn't that... rely on other story happenings that's true yeah i mean so it's like the idea behind episode four is it's strong bad making his own spy action movie and so like the, the it, it kind of focuses more on that than on like coming up with challenging puzzles so it's kind of right. so it's very very linear like you go from one scene to the next and they're not there's not much branching involved so I felt like it was too easy. There's not much of an adventure game challenge. And episode 5 was also very easy, but that one had more like clever 8-bit related jokes. So I felt like that was probably a stronger episode. Um, but on the whole, I thought like the it was the puzzle uh, difficulty was not bad. Like um I felt like it was a nice easy to medium difficulty unlike some games Discworld. <laughs> okay. That's all I got. <laughs> Is Discworld on the list? It's probably... I think we should push it back like as far as possible. <laughs> Just keep moving it in further and further in time. Yes. We'll never hear Eric Idle's dulcet tones. Sully, Sully such a... Such a... Podcast. Sully's such a podcast. Is this. Um, only other thing I would kind of add on to this is um, I felt like... I don't know, maybe this was just me. I'm not saying that this was an objective complaint. I felt like I was getting a little tired of Strong Bet's personality by the end of five episodes. <laughs> Aww. I, I mean, it's fun at the beginning when you're like, oh, you're Strong Bet. You're, you're making people's lives miserable. But then, like, towards the end, like, it just was kind of like, huh. Well, but he wasn't making people's lives miserable toward the end. Well, no, but just it's like, that's just... how episode one starts Yeah, yeah, out, yeah right. right. Well, then... I mean, like, the whole, I don't know. The whole, like, just him, like, going around blaming other people for his own problems and, mm-hmm. like, you know, just generally, like, like making fun of people. I mean, I'm not saying that it was bad or anything. I, mm-hmm. I thought that there was still, like, really well-written, you know, dialogue and whatnot. I was yeah. just getting a little tired of the, the conceit. Uh, like, okay, I'm... Okay. <laughs> but I'm not... I, I never get tired of showing that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's yeah. so lovable. I feel like he's even more lovable and less of a troll in the games than he is in the in the cartoons. Oh, really? Uh huh. Because in the in the, in the uh, games, he's always bad mouthing everyone, but he always ends up trying to help them out with things. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably just because of the whole like right. the, 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 the the structure of an adventure yeah. game. Because you do have to help people solve their problems. Mm. Though it usually does trace back to Strongbed helping himself. <laughs> like, well, all right, I'll get this thing for you because I need this to fix my own problems. <laughs> it's true, but he seems, he seems, he doesn't seem like he's, he's never like spiteful most of the time. No, no, no. Right, now, I, I was just saying, like, I was just getting a little yeah. exhausted with it. And I, I, it, was, it wasn't actively annoying me or anything mm. like that. I was just kind of like, I felt like the joke was maybe getting a little thinner, but not mm. like to the point where, you know, I wanted to right. quit the game or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he was a, a well-rounded character like you'd get in, like, a game that had a heavy story. Episode. Right, yeah, it, it was kind of like... Because it's a comedy, right? Right, so yeah. Just like... I wouldn't say Strong Bad's a one-note character by any means, no. but, like, just, um... There's no development I, going on. Right, I don't know, it's just, yeah. I feel like I'm digging myself into a hole with this. I w- I'm not the saying I did not, <laughs> did not, in, not enjoy 
Strong Bad's character, but anyway, <laughs> um, I should probably stop. Anton, what did you think of Strong Bad's cool game for attractive Peppel? I liked Strong Bad's cool game for attractive Peppel. This is just the new thing. <laughs> I like I'm, it. I'm waiting for the next game we review that you just absolutely hate. <laughs> and I'm going to save it for Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, anyways. No. Okay, so, I don't know. I like the games. Uh... Alex, what did you think? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> well, so I'm trying to think back to the things you said so I could sort of hit on the same notes. Um, uh, um, I don't know. I thought the games were really well-structured in general. I like the puzzles quite a bit. Uh, like you said, Episode 4 probably had the easiest puzzles because they were, like, totally, totally linear. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I thought they were pr- the rest of them were all pretty, pretty strong. I had some some trouble with some of the episode five puzzles, so I wouldn't say they were. I didn't think they were that so easy. So Anton actually played episode five earlier today, and I would think I was getting on his nerves because I would like drop hints, and then eventually I just left the room so I could stop myself <laughs> from saying anything else. Well, see, I didn't play this, this these games the first time around. I think I watched Elliot play them, so I saw like big chunks of them. And I, I halfway. Well, that's not true because I went to college to play most. Oh, of Oh, maybe it was Phil. I don't know. But I halfway remembered the games, but I didn't like remember like all of the puzzles. So I was still trying to sort it out. Right. Uh, I don't know. I appreciated that each of the episodes has its own like overarching uh, theme that they sort of just frame the entire mm. like uh, plot and puzzle structure and the theme. I don't know the way everything works in that episode around. Mm-hmm. That made it kind of fun. It didn't seem as repetitive. Right. Like, like that, that's sort of made up for the fact that there's no uh, overarching story to link them all together. It's just that each one is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed like in, to me in the first two episodes that the, uh, the writers didn't quite have a handle on how all of the characters should behave. Oh, really? Like, yeah. It's like, I, I don't know. You'd get things like Homestar Runner being sarcastic about Mars the Pan, which he, you know, he normally doesn't do that because he's so blithe and oblivious to everything. When, when was he doing that? Like, uh, after he talks to her on the phone, when she's getting ready to do the victory party thing, he's like, get, he gets all angry and throws his phone on the ground because he's like, oh, Mars of Hands being so, you know, sappy and sentimental about all this, know, all of her things she does. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it was kind of out of character. And I'm trying to remember, yeah. there's some other thing that kind of bothered me in those first two episodes. But it felt like, for, after they get hit the third episode, they kind of hit their stride and kind mm-hmm. of, it clicked, like, and felt li- uh, so much like the uh, the cartoon Everyone just behaved and talked like exactly like you'd expect them to. Mm. But it was all really fun. The puzzles were fun. They never really got boring, I guess. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that they threw in extraneous stuff that really didn't have anything to do with the main adventure game oh, puzzles. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I meant to mention that. Like, all the, like, non-adventure gamey stuff that they put in there, like... There's a, like, take picture button just right there on the interface at yeah. all times. Yeah, you can collect, like, things to dress up strong bad with. And right. take... Collect, like, Teen Girl Squad props so you can uh-huh. make your own Teen Girl Squad comic. I thought that was really... There's just so much, like, goofy fun things. It's like, if you're just tired of adventure gaming for a while, you can just take a break and go derp around with these stupid minigames. Right, right. They're just so, so charming and so much fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, episode 3 was probably my favorite, just because I like the whole... Battle of the Bands aesthetic is just the fact that you had this cool rock music in the background of every area you went <laughs> yeah, to. Yeah, right. It was just felt like it had a really strong, like, I don't know, sense of drive, and I don't know. I like it. was very, very focused and a lot of fun in mm-hmm. general. Right. Uh, e- episode four, I do agree, was like Fallout of It Easy. 
But it's like I appreciated the way that they they tread the line between making it look like you're watching their their goofy home movie, where it's like you see all the stupid stuff that happens because they're bad at editing it. Mm-hmm. But it's right, like you right. also feel you also like make it so it feels like you're playing a dangerous game, mm-hmm. like you're actually like playing through the events of it. So right. you kind of get b- the best of both worlds in that respect. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job of capturing, I think, what what the whole dangerous thing was about. It was just like it ended up being really easy. Like a stupid buddy cop movie. Yeah, exactly. Home Star Runner universe. And it just keeps getting more elaborate and over the top as it goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked all the arcade stuff in the fifth episode too. Yeah, right. I don't know. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun all over. They haven't of... really talked about episode two at all. That was really clever too. Mm-hmm. Like just the yeah the whole like uh, strategy poli- thing. political like factions kind of theme of like. Uh-huh. The, the free country USA splitting up in all these little mini countries, and <laughs> he had to like go go and conquer them, like convince yeah. people to join Strong Badia. Uh huh. I don't know the f- theme. At the first two episodes, just I guess they just didn't really click with me as much as the last three. I, I've never liked them as much. I kind of like, I don't know why. Yeah, I can kind of see what you're saying with like Homestar doing some things that are slightly out of character in the mm-hmm. first episode. I didn't that didn't really bother me at all. But that might have just been because, like, first time I played it, I didn't really understand the characters that well. And then the second time, I was, like, familiar with the events of the first episode, so it didn't really, like, mm-hmm. bother me. But... Well, I don't know. The first time around when I was watching Phil play the games, it's like, that, that really bothered me and kind of gave me a negative impression of the, of the games. But it's mm-hmm. like, this time around, I kind of accepted it as, oh, you know, they're, they're it's like... I, I mean, it's, think... like, it's like when you see it's like when somebody's doing a stage play and they act kind of like not the way you'd expect. The, yeah, so it feels like you know it's these these characters putting on this this thing, game for you. That being that being said, I think like you know the Chapmans were so heavily integrated into the process that I think that if there were something that they felt like was egregiously out of character, that right. they would have stopped. Like, I mean, Matt was recording every single line by himself. So I can't even imagine. That's like such a Herculean feat. I know, seriously. It's like recording a protagonist for an adventure game. I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into that, but then recording all of the other characters, too. Right, yeah, like just doing all, like, <laughs> 10,000 lines of dialogue it's all by yourself. like, so impressive. It, right? And then, not only that, but he would also do, like, characters imitating other characters, uh-huh. like a strong bad talking like Homestar. <laughs> And then there, were all, there was all this supporting cast, like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff in episode five, there were a ton of extra characters. Mm-hmm. It generally, he did a really good job of, like, inventing, like, a unique voice for every single person in the game. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, it was very impressive. Anyway, my original point was, you know, you know, you envision Matt Chapman, you know, co-creator of Homestore, and are sitting, recording all these lines. You'd think that if it was egregiously out of character, right. he would have just stopped the proceedings and say, like, wait, we need to redo this. This mm-hmm. is not true to Homestar's character yeah. or whatever. Well, and there wasn't anything that was that bad. Yeah. I don't know. It just bothered me the first time because I was so into it that I was just, like, everything that was didn't fit what my idea of how it, the character should be behaving was just offensive to See, me. that was... That, it sounds like you're kind of, like, feeling the way I felt the first time I played through the game where I was, like, being hypercritical about everything. And there was a line that fell, like, even the slightest bit flat. I was mm-hmm. like, this is not acceptable! I, it's also kind of the thing where when something is new and coming out, it's like, you feel like I, you're all invested in it and you want it to be really great so that you can, like... Just love it, love it, love it. Right, right. Or when you're coming back to something years and years later, you're just like you're just looking at it as like a historical thing, and you're not invested in it. You're just right. like, oh well, you can appreciate the good parts and forget about the bad parts. You right. know, whatever. You're not, yeah, you're not as, um, yeah, zealous about the, right. the game has to be absolutely perfect and mm. live up to every single expectation. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, 
feel like that mostly sums up my thoughts. I, I like... liked episode one in the in the regard that, like you were saying, how every episode has a theme. Mm-hmm. I like that episode one is just sort of like a day in the life of the Homestar yeah. members. We're just kind of derping around and like messing with people's day-to-day activities. Uh-huh. There's every strong bed getting up in the morning and ends with him going back to sleep on the couch. Right, right, right. Yeah, it has that kind of like a day in the life feel. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to jump on your thoughts. Did you have anything else? Oh, that was mostly it. I appreciated, I know, the puzzle design is good, the writing was really solid, it was, the comedy, you know, was a lot of fun, I appreciated all the extra nonsense that they threw in there, just because it's, I don't know, fun to horse around with it, mm-hmm. it's, I don't know, it's, it's fun all around, I'd recommend it. Cool. Cool. Alex, Alex, what, what are your you thoughts? think? I liked Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people, I especially liked episode four the best, Ellie! Oh! Okay, what did you like? Without going into spoilers, what did you like best about episode four? Well, what counts as spoilers? Well, puzzles and story so, developments, like twists in the story. Can I talk about the premise? Any? Yeah, yeah, count? we, we okay. already talked about that. Okay, well, I like the fact that every puzzle you do is like, it's set up as a strong bad's writing the scene, and he mm. thinks I gotta do something cool <laughs> in the scene. <laughs> no, that is true. So, so, yeah, so he's, 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 you get one puzzle, you gotta trick somebody, and the trick is really stupid <laughs> and incredibly <laughs> obvious, and it would never work in real life. And that uh-huh. wouldn't even work in the Homestar universe. But it works but in the context of Strong Bad forcing people to be in his <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's him. It's like it's like he's like Coach Z keeps on asking if he wants to leave, and then it quickly cuts to another shot. <laughs> and, and you know, he's like like Strong Bad's going around being the coolest guy ever, and he gets Marzipan, the only girl in the show, to play two different girls who are both in love with him. Mm-hmm. You know, there is one thing. I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler. They did. It, towards the end of the episode, they do like a split screen effect because they don't have enough actors to play. Everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did like a split screen where it was like the same character talking to themselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. It's just so so fun and so authentic. It's like uh-huh. even though the puzzles were kind of easy, it's like I just I just it's just so much fun to just horse around with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like it's like an interactive movie more than yeah, an adventure right, game, but right. which is more in line with what Telltale's doing now. Mm-hmm. Ah, but Alex, you don't have heavy moral choices. <laughs> well, it's, so it's well, will you or will you not beat the snot out of Homestar Runner? <laughs> <laughs> Answer yes. yes. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, hold it, hold it. You do because when you're in a conversation tree with somebody, you can choose the angel option or the devil. Well, that's option. true. That's true. So, so it's basically the Walking Dead. Basically the Walking Dead in Homestar. Hold on. Let's <laughs> back this train up. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, also, I wanted to mention I liked. I like the fact that in the dangerous thing, when you walk around, you're basically walking around as strong bad. Who, whenever he looks at something, he's trying to like say something movie like in his <laughs> character right. when he's describing it. So it adds a, like an entire layer to the entire game that wasn't in the other <laughs> so, games, which is cool. There is one part in dangerous. Well, okay, I'll save that for the spoilers. I, I was actually going to mention this, and I forgot. But it kind of, the, I like the conceit of Dangerous, but it also kind of bothered me that the fact that he is trying to talk all movie-like means that anytime you click on anything, you get a much longer uh, like description oh. of it than you normally would, and it just feels so much like more tiring, belabored, belabored to try to play through the game because everything gets a, a like lengthy. It's like there it was pretty off, often pretty funny, but it was also like okay, all right, all right, let's 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 move along. You, when you were playing it this afternoon, I forgot what you clicked on exactly. It's like, it's one of Strong Bad's default things to say is intriguing. 
I, I don't know what you clicked on, but he just randomly said, no, 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 not so intriguing. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, I also clicked on somebody's like, no. <laughs> it was just so great. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I did well. like, I, I was, and I was complaining earlier about how the strong bed kind of got tiresome after five episodes. One thing I did like that I didn't get tired of is if someone was like midway through a line of dialogue and you needed to do something, strong bed would just say, my turn, or no one cares. <laughs> uh-huh. in, in Dangerous, he says, it's my line. When he says uh, right, exactly. It's so uh-huh. perfect. That was a nice little workaround, I thought, to like uh-huh. interrupted lines of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like I like when Telltale does little things like that to like yeah. fix like gamey things that you just kind of take for granted. They'd like try to like like in Sam and Max, when you like walk through Max, that Sam tosses him up into the air so yeah, the, exactly. the, the models don't clip through each other, like stuff mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Alex. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so I also like <laughs> the fact that in episode three it is revealed in its official lore, Homestar lore, that the currency in whatever place Home Strongbed lives in <laughs> is sacks of cash, and they measure it by that. So you only <laughs> got at once handfuls of cash. Hand, handfuls of cash, sacks of cash. That's, that's pretty great. <laughs> it's like in Curse of Monkey <laughs> Island, where it's like a lot of money versus an awful lot of money. Uh, mm-hmm. Exactly. We're, we're talking about how this relates to the web series. And all that um, kind of stuff. No, wait, and, hold it. Uh, hold the phone here. What, what? Strong Bad offers a dollar to some peasants in episode five. <laughs> well, no, that's like eight. eight. <laughs> What's Boom! Oh, no! Be in correction music? <laughs> uh, bags of cash is not the official currency of the lands of Strong. But they did do the joke. End correction music. Okay, <laughs> um, but I also wanted to say, though, I liked. I, I think if you, if you compare it with this video game to what the the uh the, the web site was doing at the time mm-hmm, the web zone this was the pinnacle of strong bad mm-hmm. it was downhill from here <laughs> and i'd, I'd <laughs> like i'd like yeah. to point out that this is a website that managed to be popular enough that two grown men were able to live off of it <laughs> and they didn't do ads they did it for like Six or seven years. Yeah, it was yeah. Pretty crazy. They didn't do ads. They weren't on like YouTube. They just mm-hmm. they just were there on their own little site selling merch through their store. Uh huh. Like weird merchandise, like t-shirts, t-sh- and... t-shirts that have dumb things on them that no one will get <laughs> other than like a handful of people in the world. I mean, the store is still going. It's mm-hmm. just it's much smaller than it used to be. Mm-hmm. They even updated it with like a Trogador mug. And you like can get the like handle is a beefy arm. Yeah, you can get a sleepy Homestar mug. Oh, that's good. Cinnamon on his face. Cinnamon on his face. I want them to make that uh, Trogdor backpack that they did in the April Fool's. I know. With secret compactments. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So th- this was like Strong Bad's pinnacle. <laughs> yeah, they, right. they could only decrease in popularity right. mm-hmm. from here. So right. while it was great, it was also sad because... It was like after they finished, a little while after that, they started to kind of trying to change up their format a little bit, and then they just kind of... But they started doing the hurry mails instead of the speed mails. You should explain what hurry mails oh, are. They had well, Homestar Runner answering emails instead of Strongbed. And then they eventually like had Strongbed come back and hit Homestar <laughs> in the face with a bunch of garden tools. <laughs> uh-huh. And then they just kind of stopped making it. It was, it was sad. I mean, in some ways it's sort of like you have a friend come over and then they like stay for way too long and you're like, you can't wait for them to leave. And then they're gone, and then you like don't talk to them for months. Like, oh, I really want that person to come back over again. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of that's kind of my relationship with Homestar <laughs> Runner. <laughs> okay. Well, okay then. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the games as a whole were more of one of those things where if you go back, if you lovely viewer to go back and play them. So Alex, you're, you're, it's less fun because it was more of like this big event because mm. they're building up to it because the trailer sets up something. 
that comes back in the the end of the game. Yeah, right. And so then, but like in every episode, there'd be this thing, or it'd be a preview for the next episode. Mm-hmm. So you get all hyped because you don't know what the next episode is, or maybe you could if you Googled it. But I didn't know about Google. Well, you we know about these. like the theme of it generally, well, but you would know about all the. But they they put like a little like teaser trailer mm-hmm. in each episode, so it's like really cool because you first thing you do is you watch the teaser trailer for the next yeah. one before you started it. So that was cool. So Alex, sorry to interrupt. Did you? Um, this is a little sidetrack. Did you play the game when it originally came out, or is this your I, first time playing? I it? played it when it originally came out, episode okay. by episode. Then I played it through again, and then I played it through again for the podcast. Oh, okay, so this is your third time. Uh huh. Which oh, means okay. I'm the most experienced uh, strong bad in here. Has anybody? Did anybody get full points on any of the episodes for all the miscellaneous stuff? No. Actually, <laughs> the first time the games came out, I, I did actually play through the first episode, first time around. And I, I obsessively went around everything with the metal detector. I got everything. Oh. I got all the trophies appeared in Coach Z's locker room, and it was great. Yeah, I liked the, in the last episode, like... There's, like, this little meta joke where I think, like, the developers got the impression that people are getting tired of the metal detector mm-hmm. gameplay uh. element. So when you go pick it up at the beginning of episode 5, Strongbed's like, Once again, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the transfer of black metal detector. <laughs> and he just picks it up. <laughs> and then it, like, breaks five minutes into the episode. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. I was a little sad that, well, okay, I don't know if this counts as a spoiler or not. The Teen Girl Squad comics oh, yeah. do not go through the entire it's mm-hmm. like they're on the first three episodes and then they just kind of drop it afterwards mm-hmm. and i was like oh i kind of like that yeah yeah. yeah okay so alex did you have anything else uh i think they're good yeah. i think they're really good because they're more about the story and the humor than gameplay elliot puzzles <laughs> <laughs> are fun though right? having a showdown oh but i uh... they did, had an, i feel like they generally maintained a nice puzzle complexity where you mm-hmm. had some they had some head scratchers in there right but it's like it, not so hard that you're like beating your head against the wall and if you go talk to everybody then they'll generally drop hints about what you're supposed to be doing yeah right i i felt like overall the puzzles were good um, yeah, like I said already, good density generally. I like the fact that you can put on a giant oversized Homestar head, <laughs> and his Homestar's clothes that somehow fits strong bed, and right. everyone thinks you're Homestar, <laughs> to the point where you completely clear his, his record at a race, and everyone believes it. Right. <laughs> you cheat, like, pretty obviously. Uh, well, you, you change the entire pool of water into jello. No one knows. You rearrange, like, the obstacles on the course. Mm-hmm. You attach balloons to a weight so you can lift it. Right. <laughs> no one notices. I mean, that's the way, that's just, that's whoa, we just spoiled a bunch of puzzles. <laughs> we'll, we'll censor it all out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, PPL. Anti, uh, anti, you should, should say Alex, into, watch We should just go into spoiler zone, I guess. Okay. Uh, yeah. um, did you have any other general oh, best thoughts? puzzles, worst puzzles, am that's, I right? That's spoilers. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Alex was mentioning the way, the way that all the episodes were connected, and that reminded me, I do enjoy the way that Telltale always does a good job of, like, building up the connective tissue between the games. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's like they have all this foreshadowing stuff, like the Danger-esque 3 poster in Strong mm-hmm. Bad's bedroom. S- the Trogdor machine is yes, broken. Yes, the Trogdor machine, they set that up in the very first episode, is that the Trogdor right. machine is broken and we need to get it fixed. And it's there for like mm-hmm. the entire series. Uh, you can keep on looking at it and Strong Bad will yell at Strong Sad. Uh, and then it suddenly becomes relevant in the last episode. It's right. like, oh, they planned this. Ah. Yeah, they did a good... Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. I like when they do that, when they like put these little nuggets... Mm-hmm throughout the season that, like, at the time you don't think are important. There's one particular thing in Sam and Max Season 2 where I don't want to spoil it for people mm-hmm. who haven't played it. But you guys know what I'm talking yeah, about. I know what you're talking about. It's, it's so, little, so little thing that they just, they just little, they just, <laughs> little 
breadcrumbs in the game. What? 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 You'll find out. You will find out. If we ever do salmon Mexi. Oh. But like the, yeah, Telltale's good at like putting these things in there that you think are inconsequential, and then it's like they drop the mic, and it's like, oh wait, this is important. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always so entertaining. They do they do a great job. I miss. They should go back and do more adventure games, though. I miss them. So I, I'd give this game a, an an A minus. Good job. No, no, wait. That's at the end. Okay. It's time for spoilers. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah. So let's let's go to intermission, and we'll come back and talk about specific puzzles and spoilers. So they just called me up and said, uh, hey, have you ever heard of us? And I said, well, that's a weird way to start a phone conversation. You know, how about, hello, who am I speaking with, that sort of thing. And they said, oh, excuse me. Hey, Strongbad, we're Telltale Games. Have you ever heard of us? At which point I, you know, hung up the phone. Uh, but then they called back and, uh, and, and they, we got talking and they said they had some graphics and like an explosion and a blade. Uh, they could do a blade in a game. That, you know, that really floored me. So I signed on board, and uh, they're sort of having me out. Gonna set me up in my own office. I told them that the corner office was not good enough for me, so they probably, it'll probably be like my own floor. Or maybe like the roof. Maybe I'll just be on the roof of the building, so it's like there's no corners. Like it's like a how a circle is made up of a bunch of you know lines, sort of. It's like my office will be made up of all corners. My office is the absence of corners. Oh, thank you, lowly doorman. Strong bed. Hi. Here we go. This is gonna be the best job I ever had. And here is your office. Um, this sucks. Okay, so we're back from intermission. Um, time to talk about puzzles, I guess. Let's just start. Can I, can I yell about things now? Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's do best puzzle, worst puzzle. And then we'll get into yelling and okay. old man rambling. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll go first. Um, my favorite puzzle, um, this was kind of hard just because Telltale games are slightly more expansive than just regular adventure games. There's a little bit more to them on the whole as a season. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to pick one specific best puzzle that I liked the best. But I will probably go with... The uh, two or three puzzles that you need to do to get Bubs and Coach Z to get over their feuding and get back to being a band. And the reason I liked that was because the way you solve it is you find this album that uh, Coach Z and Bubs did in the past. And it's like you have to take the song titles and um, have it appear to Bubs as though Coach Z is doing things in real life that <laughs> reference the songs so that Bubs thinks that Coach Z is cool again. You have to so, frame him for general delinquency. Right, yeah, exactly. So you have to do stuff like stealing stuff from my own dang store. <laughs> or like throwing rocks at old man Marzipan's house. Just, I, I thought that the whole concept of that was clever. 
like on a story level, but also on a puzzle level, because it wasn't really like a traditional, like go talk to this person. They give you three things to do. You have to like look at an album cover and read the song titles and think, oh, okay, I should go do these things and make it look like Coach Z to them. Mm-hmm. Just generally, I liked all the puzzles in episode three, but that was probably like my favorite out of everything. Either that or the other one that I was thinking of for best puzzle was the total load, total body workout thing from ah. episode one. For the for the sole reason that they introduce it as structurally as this throwaway gag that's not important to the plot. So you have to like go back to Strongbed's laptop and you're just checking your email and you have this spam message from total load, total body <laughs> workout. And you assume it's just a throwaway joke, but then it like works its way into like actually being important to, uh. to beating the game. And I thought that was really clever. It felt very organic, I guess. Um, for worst puzzle, um, I would say that the puzzle that annoyed me the most was from episode four, <clears throat> when, uh, Sultry Buttons is sort of globetrotting and you're trying to catch her. It's like, every time you go to a location, you see her just leaving, and you have to figure out some way to get there before she does. The way you do this is you open up the map. See, this was one thing where it was, like, kind of playing with the, the mechanics of the game, but I, it didn't work for me for, for whatever reason. <laughs> do you have to go to the map? And you click on the spot where you already are, and then that will trigger a cutscene where it's like you get there before she. Like does. you just wait for her to. Come you just back. wait for her to come back, basically. And I mean that makes sense on a story level. It just kind of annoyed me because I was like thrashing with this puzzle for so long, and then I eventually figured it out, and I was like, oh, okay, you guys, you win. <laughs> I, so that, that I also had a really hard time with that puzzle, but it's yeah. like I appreciate these meta puzzles so much. It's like I I, I was I was kind of mad, but it's like I, I can't be mad. <laughs> I was, I was like, that was kind of clever. Yeah. Um, so that's it for me. Um, I had a problem with the puzzle in episode 5, but that was kind of my own dumb fault, because I I clicked on something before like the video game apocalypse happens, and then I didn't ever go back to check it a second time, and I missed an important thing. What was it, Ellie? So it was, I clicked on Dange Car-esque like, early on in the game, so I assumed that there was not going to be a secondary funny line if I go click on it again, because they didn't have any, like indication that the car was affected in any way by the apocalypse as it turns out there are some snakes on the dashboard that you need to go get <laughs> or on the, on the hood of the car rather and so i was like oh okay that was the only time i got stuck in episode five though i felt like all the other puzzles were pretty straightforward um anton best puzzle worst puzzle you stole my best puzzle which one? The, the Coach Z Bubs one. Oh, no! <laughs> it was before we started recording this, I was like, hang on, let me f- pick my best puzzle, worst puzzle. And I spent a good 15 minutes considering all the puzzles in the whole game. <laughs> I, this one, this was, this was a good one. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't really appreciate it, because it, like you said, it felt very organic, because it's like, you have this album, and this is like all their stupid, like, hip-hop, you know, tough guy track <laughs> names, like... Stealing the, stuff from own dang store. Just go do it, and then see, like, you frame Coach Z for doing it. And it's just like, it was, it was all very clever. And it's I like, Coach is so clueless as to what's going on exactly. <laughs> He's just like, oh, okay. It's like, yeah, he gets reunited with Bubs for, like, doing nothing. And then mm-hmm. he, like, Bubs breaks up with him for <laughs> doing nothing. <laughs> so, so since you stole my best puzzle, Sorry. I'm going to go with my second favorite puzzle, which actually also happens to come from episode three. I really enjoyed, when you get to the very end, like... And you're, you've ruined everybody else's act. So now you have to make your act be awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah, this was clever. It's like, I I, ha- I have a soft spot in my heart for, like, one room, like, solve the puzzle, or solve mm. the room puzzles. Right. It's like, you just have to use all these things that are thrown around the room in clever ways. Did you, do you remember, by any chance, off the top of your head, who was the lead designer for episode three? I don't, but good job. Good job. I think, actually, don't quote me, I'll look it up while you guys are talking. Uh, I think it's Mike Stemmel. 
the guy that designed uh, Escape from Monkey Island and the canceled Sam and Max game. Mm-hmm. And the first Sam and Max game, actually. Um, go ahead and keep talking. I'll look at it. Okay. Since, yeah. we're, since we're gushing about how great episode 3's uh, design was. It was pretty... It's, will, it's pro- uh, yeah, it's probably the I can't remember one. if I said this already during recording. The, the last episode was designed by Chuck Jordan. The uh, the guy who did uh, who's the lead designer on Curse of Monkey Island. Uh, so, good yeah. job, Chuck. Woo. Those two are definitely my favorites. They felt like the most like Homestar Runner, I guess. But yeah, anyway. So the one, the one, the one. There was a, there was, that was a really clever puzzle series, and it was just like so much fun because everything's just falling apart at the seams. Like you push that speaker off, and then King of Town just starts hitting it with his guitar. <laughs> it's just so like you have to get him to eat bats on he's stage. eating bats on stage and smashing a speaker with his, with his guitar, and it's just like everything is just like falling apart so badly, and it's just so entertaining to just do it. And then Strongman keeps talking on his awesome stage prop, and then it's just this stupid drawing of himself, and it's just like <laughs> what? And it was just so much fun and so entertaining and so well structured. It was just it was just great. So the story was written by Mike Stemmel, Stemley, um, mm-hmm. for episode three. I'm assuming that means he also did all the puzzles. So good job, Mike. Good job. I don't know where he is right now. He, I don't know if he's still working for Telltale or not. But begin, anyway, begin thanks music. <laughs> oh, Alex, stop making me have to find jingles that I don't have to. Uh, okay, <laughs> you'll have to. We put in some applause. Um, <laughs> my worst puzzle. I'm going to pick on the puzzle where you give the cheat a medal in episode two. <laughs> My reasoning being, I didn't know you had to give the cheat a medal, and you have to click one of the conversation options twice, and since they're just little icons, you don't know that you're going to get anything different. Oh. Because of that, I had to start clicking on everybody's conversation options over and over until I was sure they wouldn't say anything different. <laughs> because I noticed you were doing that this afternoon. Like, every, any conversation <laughs> tree you're in, you did every option twice. Well, it was both because usually the alternate things he would say were actually pretty funny. But also because of that, that one puzzle. Because it was like, I missed it the first time around. And I was like, well, how am I supposed to like get the cheat to join Strong Vadia? It's like, he didn't give me any indication of what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It was like, I had the metal in my inventory by the time I walked. I was just like out of options. and like, what do I do? And then it's like, <laughs> I finally talked to the cheat again. He's like, oh, I need to have a metal. You need proof of, you know, being my secret, uh, secret police, and then so you give him the medal. And then it was like, after that, I had seen everything else there was to see at that point, so it was like this huge domino chain, and I just solved everything else, like, up to a point, like, really easily, because it, yeah. So, ah! Grumble, grumble. So, I would like to gush about another puzzle from episode three. Okay! It's the best, best game. Best, best episode. When you have to frame Limousine for being, like, oh, yes. politically incorrect. <laughs> well, and killing a bunch of fish by pouring bleach into a pond. <laughs> It goes a little bit further. Yeah, right. I, I thought that was entertaining. It was fun. Anyway. <laughs> I was like, how are they going to do limousine? Like, are they actually going to appear? Because they're in the cartoon, they're like photorealistic. Right. It's like, how are they going to wrangle this? Because they obviously can't do that in the game. They send I would have liked to have seen Telltale attempt that. Like, I know. Do, like, so 2D, like 2D cutouts of real people in the show. Yeah, like, universe. like, like, uh, like, yeah, like Monty a Python fa- style. Phantasmagoria, even. Yeah. Like, well, not, not, not that specifically, but like FMV style, where you like green screen in so a person. Weird. That would have been so cool if they had done that. I, I appreciated what they did, though. It yeah, was yeah, funny. yeah. It was, it was a nice little gag. That it they felt like actually. exactly what you'd expect to see happen. If, in if a Homestar cartoon. Or if you won a contest like that, because right. you see those contests all the time. Oh, can we t- also talk about the puzzle where you like win the contest in the first place, where you have to put the cheat <laughs> in a bikini, and there's like a, like a dragon, or a dinosaur that breathes fire on top of a cool car. It was just so <laughs> much fun, because it's like, it's not like an actual puzzle puzzle. It's like you're just cl- you go around and you collect all these items. You just collect a bunch of props and then you set them up. You stage the photo and then you take it. 
And then it's like there's this lens flare that comes out of nowhere that's strong, but like, whoa, that looks awesome. <laughs> then the fish thing just looks so ridiculously awesome. And there's like right. lightning strike, right? <laughs> Striking the cheat. And it's like, what's happening? Oh, yeah. Yeah, episode three was just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now that I'm actually like replaying the whole thing in my mind, is like episode three is just so well designed. And there are like so oh, many wait, little. Wait, wait, wait. But the, the punchline of the whole puzzle is that limousine is like, whoa, we didn't know anybody even bothered to try to enter this contest. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so great. It's like they had so many little, little great little puzzle like groups, little puzzle clusters. There were like three or four things you had to get through before you got to the final. I think end w- bit. Also, like we were talking about puzzle density a bit earlier. I think episode three works because it actually goes deep enough to where you can get a bit lost. Mm-hmm. It's not really clear. Like, I think the reason why episodes four and five feel easier is because they don't branch as much, and it's yeah. like you only have one it, thing to worry it's about. It's kind of obvious what you're supposed to do at any given point. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry. Sidetrack. Were you were you done, Anton? I'm done. Alex, what's your best puzzle worst puzzle? My favorite puzzle was the puzzle in episode three, ah. where you have to sing the song, you gotta help Tom start sing the song to Pom Pom. Oh yes. Oh, food related love. Uh-huh. love. So the puzzle works is that Homestar's got the song and he's really good at singing. He's trying to impress Pom Pom. Wow, that was just so out of character oh, for Homestar no, to wow. be good at singing. No, it's uh, okay, anyway. Sorry, sorry. So, so Strong Bad wants Homestar to sing for Pom Pom so that Pom Pom will hire him, so he'll join the, the his bands because he wants bands in his contest. Right, mm-hmm. right, that makes right, sense. Right, right. Yes. So, so your Strong Bad's trying to help Homestar. Problem is, Homestar can't remember the lyrics <laughs> of his song, but he's got all these tables. So 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 the so, so what you have to do is you have to go around and find a bunch of items that rhyme with the song, so that when the home star forgets his line, you can point to objects on the table and he'll say them. You know, so you can mess it up on purpose. And home star's like, I trusted you. <laughs> uh-huh. I think my favorite line from the song is when you point at a pint of molo, M E R L O T, and then home star follows it up with. I thought it was Molot till you told me it's not. <laughs> uh-huh. The song itself is actually pretty catchy. Yeah, huh? right, right now. Like a, Did you notice great. that it was Terrence Love as the backup singer in the background? Uh-huh. Like, Ooh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have, to, you have to even, like, make an item out of uh-huh. two other yeah. items. Oh, yeah, right. You have to like, make the pot of fondue. You have to make a pot of fondue just so you can... Well, and it's it's interesting because it, the, the verb line doesn't tell you it's a pot of fondue. So it's like, what rhymes with this, this line in the song? And it's like... What, what is it? It's like you don't realize initially that it's going to be a pot of fondue. And then that, that like folds back into Homestar and her lore, right? Because he's always talking about, Strong Bad, I bought you your fondue, fondue pot. pot. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> the first thing I thought was like, well, it's got to be a fondue See, it's pot. Like, it's like it folds in on itself. <laughs> right. In-jokes on in-jokes. It's just so many in-jokes. And then it's like you have the thing where it's like... Can you that thing about the galvanized nails? Oh, right. I totally missed that. Well, so Bubs is building the stage in that episode. You're like, I don't know, Bubs looks kind of rickety. And you're like, no way, man. This thing is so sturdy. I built it with galvanized nails. <laughs> and it's like, that's there, and they don't explain it, but it's a reference to this little musical so number from the site where Homestar Runner is using galvanized nails to build things. It, is that the one yeah. where he's building a deck? Yeah, he's going to build a deck. Right, and he uses galvanized nails. <laughs> he gets so excited, he just builds his deck over the entire like landscape of everything. And <laughs> everything. such a big deck. He <laughs> <laughs> goes over the little bushes and everything. It's just great. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was such a good story. So it's just like so many little references. I don't know. This is great. Mm-hmm. Good time. I, I, now we're talking about how ancillary Homestar and her characters, which ones didn't appear. I am a little disappointed that Dripping Yellow Madness from 5th grade was not Whoa. in the game. He never appeared. He they was only cool reference. Tapes, you guys. They did have cool tapes. I liked Marzipan's anti-limousine song because that was actually pretty catchy. Uh-huh. Limousine is not very nice. Can that be the intermission <laughs> song? Okay. Okay. I like it.
Well, that actually, no, that spoils. That uh, also spoils the puzzle. Well, it's the spoilers, isn't it? Well, because you have to like sabotage limousine through marzipan. We'll just have no wings of a lion or part of a lion, wings of a bat. Okay, we'll have that be the because thing. it's midnight. Okay, um, but my my I, the Which puzzle I the... hated the most. I really hated this puzzle. So we we were talking about how strong bad uh, Anton had a problem where he had to talk to the cheat twice. Yeah. Well, see, there's this puzzle, and the thing that that, that burns my buns the most about it grinds this, your gears. it grinds my gears, it Bust burns my chops. buns, it busts my chops, it it hurts my soul. Wow. Is that there's this one puzzle where it 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 it, it kills you because it it only kills you Which if you've already episode about? one. It only kills you if you've played it already because you're getting all the things set up and you think I need a chainsaw to grip. This home starts head off the 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 yeah get his head off the, the statue <laughs> off the paper mache. yeah the paper mache statue thing so you think okay I gotta get the chainsaw but then you're like how do you get the chainsaw and how, what you have to do is you have to look at a bush and strong bat says that's a weird bush and then you go talk to marzipan mm. and you say that was a weird bush over there. And the thing is, if you've already played the game, you know, there's no point to looking at that stupid bush. Wow. So it kills you, because then you get into a strange loop of, how did I get that chainsaw? And mm-hmm. until you look at a dumb bush that you know you can't, there's no point to looking right, at. Right, right. So it kills you if you're a smart person and you remember how these games work. Right, yeah, it kind of shoots yourself in the foot if it, you're playing the game on a repeat. Like, you're not actually, like, going, being obsessive and looking at every single thing. Mm-hmm. That's gotten me a few times, or even just on episode five and, when I did look at the car enough times. Mm-hmm. It does kind of bother me in these games when uh, they have puzzles that are predicated on the fact that you already know how to play adventure games. You know you have to go obsessively pick up everything that's not nailed down and go talk to everyone and look at everything. Right. And it's like if you don't, if you're not already in that mindset, it's just totally arbitrary and that doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's like it's great for adventure game fans, but like. Yeah, it can lead to problems. Also, bonus worst puzzle is the every puzzle that, except for the one in episode five, that involves the black tran the black tarantula metal detector. Was that like I know that there that was integrated into the main puzzles in episode five? Was that ever a part of a main puzzle in earlier episodes? Uh, you had to dig up a uh, Hamsar relics in episode. Oh two. yeah, yeah. That's okay, so here's my problem with it: you have to click. And when you click, it says, like, if you hold the click button and you walk, Strong Bad will not detect things. You have to click and let him stop. And then the black metal detector will tell you whether or not... That's not true. You can figure it out from the pace of the... uh, No, 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 it doesn't change pace. If you just hold... I've tested this. No, no, I... No, I I, I tested this. I tested it. I played it that way, man. I, I just held the mouse button down and dragged him around. It didn't work for me. Maybe it was the Wii version. Were you playing the Wii version? I was playing the computer version. Oh, okay. Well, mm. I don't know. Yeah, Metal Detector was weird, though. It was kind of frustrating for the stuff that I knew I had to get. Uh, I don't know. Because, yeah, episode two, it's like there are important things you have to get. Right. And sometimes, you know, when I dig something up, then Strong Bad would make a comment like, this patch of ground has already horked up its share of treasures for today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've cleaned out that room. I think it was either episode two or episode three. He just stopped doing that. So it was like, even after you cleaned the whole thing out, it was like, he, you could just wander around at the metal detector forever. Yeah. And so it was, it was, it was well, how do you know. know you got everything? Well, exactly. Well, that's the <laughs> thing, right? See, so, yeah, something else I noticed. It's kind of an, an it's, it's a fun side mini game, but it's kind of annoying. I don't know to if Tell, do. I don't know if Telltale just got tired of like providing hints for, uh, for like Strong Bed to like 
dump. So, so something Telltale usually does is like as you're just playing through the game, if they detect that you're just kind of like spinning your wheels and not solving puzzles, they'll have the character make a comment that's supposed to be like a little in-game hint. And so I don't know if they just stopped recording these or if I had something wrong with how I set the game up. I had the hints turned up to high in the options, but like Strongbed never gave me a hint in the oh, last yeah. two episodes. Well, they, they knew it was so easy, you didn't need hints. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That is or maybe true. I, I wonder if I didn't um, hear any hints in those. You know, two. we were talking earlier about the Matt Chapman, you know, being such a trooper and recording thousands and thousands <laughs> of lines of dialogue all by himself. I wonder if that just ended up on the cutting room floor because they didn't want to have to like <laughs> give him say any more yeah. strong bad lines. I feel like in some interview somewhere he was just talking about how his voice was just shot after right. these recording there's, sessions. There's like such a like you know an ex- exponentially greater amount of recording than they've ever had to do for any home store in our cartoon. Mm-hmm. Especially like the strong bad voice, which is you know I've yeah talk like this all the time, and it's yeah I can see how that would grate on your voice after you know a few minutes. <laughs> I can't imagine like doing it for hours and hours and hours. And, you know, it, it, I don't know if this was just, like, my, you know, me hearing things. I felt like it was kind of bleeding into the other characters a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. in the last couple of episodes, Homestar kind of sounds like he has a cold. Uh-huh. I was wondering if that was because, you know, Matt was wearing his voice out from all the strong bad lines. I, I feel like he did mention the Homestar runner voice was the first, it was the one that was the most affected by it. Oh, did he say I that? I, I feel like, well, it's been a long time since I listened to that, but I feel like that's what he said. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I just thought of this just now. Speaking of voices, at the end of uh, Danger Ask, mm-hmm. when it uh, turns out that the cheat is the bad guy, uh-huh. I was like, he started talking, and I was like, what, what is that? What is the cheat's voice? Like, what, what character is that? I've never heard this voice before. And then <laughs> it took me like a minute, and then I was like, oh, it's the Powered by the Cheat cartoon voice. It's like when the cheat edited the movie. He dubbed his own voice in as... Oh, is the Powered by the Cheat voice. Yeah, it's like, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't hear the Cheat, have a trophy. Man, I didn't even get that. You're the, right. You're the Craig right. voice. That's right, it's, it's the it's, Craig it's, voice. It's an in-joke that folds in on itself. Oh my it's, goodness, it's I like, totally... I, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so wonderful. I didn't even get that. that There's was... so many like subtle things like that. I just right, it. right, it yeah. Man, I, that, yeah, I totally missed that. Wow. Anyway, I didn't like the black metal detector because oh. you literally walk around forever until you get right, lucky. Right. It I was bad and boring. I think that's fair. I didn't really care for the. Well, I mean, from no, a, from a from like a, a design on paper standpoint, I, I appreciate that it was a nice, clever like way to break up the adventure gaminess. It's like we'll make every room like an Easter egg hunt. And there's all mm. this cool paraphernalia you can collect, but in the game, it just it didn't quite work mm. for me. I mean, it was fun. I, I really, like, the first time around, I really enjoyed doing that in the first episode, just exploring and finding all the yeah, stupid stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, to tie it into the main story, or the main puzzle line is kind of annoying, because it's so hard to, so hard to find everything. I don't know. Anyway, that was my best puzzle, worst puzzle. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I had something else I wanted to say, um... Uh... Oh yeah, so we on the on the mini sode when we were doing uh, Videlectrix games, we uh, said that we were gonna kind of talk about Danger Desk Three, the Telltale game in relation to Danger Desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, do you do you guys want to talk about that at all? Like, I know we sort of talked about that a bit in the last. Yeah. Uh, well. Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. Well, so the first time around, I guess we were more we were more judgmental about the games because we were comparing right, right. The, comparing them to the content on homestarrunner.com which right. was coming out every week yes. so it's like when this episode came out it was like simultaneous with them releasing their own like 
Danger Desk, like, Sierra-style adventure game, which uh-huh. was much more, like, classic adventure game stylings. And I much guess, heavier on puzzles and lighter on story. Yeah. And it was also, like, a solve all the puzzles in a room thing, which, you, as you know, I have <laughs> a soft spot for. Right. Uh, so... I don't know. I think we were kind of we were like, oh man, this Danger Desk is so much better than Danger Esque at the time because Danger Esque was so easy and puzzle light. Right. But it's like coming back now, I can I can kind of see both sides of it because right, it's like right. they're both pretty charming. It's like they didn't Danger Desk was not nearly as extensive or as much like fun in terms of seeing all the different characters and different settings and stuff. Right. I think the second time around going through Danger Esque through, I think I got it. Like I don't know why. I mean. I'm not saying this is how I feel right now. The first time I played through it, I felt like a lot of the uh, the puzzles were just Telltale being lazy mm-hmm. and like cutting corners so that they could get the game out on time. Like for instance, like all of the new environments just being like cardboard that was propped up to make it look like a new location, uh-huh. or we're like, oh no, I have to fight this monster, and then it's just Strong set in a green suit with <laughs> with like golf balls <laughs> taped to him. At the time, I was like, this is so lazy. Telltale's not even trying. This is the worst ever. And I didn't get it. But the, se- the second time through, I was like, it, it like clicked for me. And I was like, okay, I, I get this. This is really funny because it's mm. like thrown. It's supposed to be cheap and thrown together. That's like the whole. I mean, regardless of whether that was like consciously like Telltale's thing to like uh-huh. cut corners and get it out on time. I, I don't know. But I think it works for uh, for the game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're like you're saying, like they kind of are like two different approaches like, Telltale was a lot more focused on story and, um, like, integrating characters from the Homestar Runner universe into this kind of goofy, like, context, mm-hmm. whereas um, the the Danger Desk game was sort of more focused on doing, like, a, a goofy send-up of, like, vintage adventure games. It was mm-hmm. kind of like, it's almost like comparing apples and oranges, really. Like, yeah, I, I agree. Alex, do you have any thoughts? I think Danger Desk 3 was overall a better thing. Whoa. Because it tied up dangerous. We've been waiting so oh, long. That is to true. The conclusion to the dangerous trilogy, but more more importantly, the whole thing with the cardboard. The whole point was that Strong Baz only got seven places he can film. So he says, "How can I make this look like Paris?" Yeah, exactly. So That's he draws true. this cardboard Eiffel Tower. Right. Yeah. And see, that <laughs> resonated for me as like a funny joke this time. The first time, I was just like, "Oh." Man. so lazy. I want to see a new location here. <laughs> but they don't have any more locations. Right. <laughs> well, it's, it's like the whole format of these games plays so so well into Telltale's thing. Right. Like in Sam and Max, when they'd recycle locations, it felt a little bit lazy because it was like, well, they're on a budget and they can only make, you know, one new room per episode or whatever. Right. But it's like, it makes so much more sense with this thing because it's just sort of like you're seeing these, these snippets out of their lives. Where it's like these are just the, these are the places they go and they just right. sort of dress up, you know, the different areas for different occasions, depending right, on what's right, happening. Right, right, yeah. And it's just like, it, it works so well. It's just so so perfect. And going back to Dangerous 3 for a second, can we talk talk about Sonor Cardgage for a bit? So, that was like one of my favorites. <laughs> oh. Even though, like, I have different opinions on the overall effectiveness of Dangerous 3, one of the things I really did love about it was how they integrate Sonor Cardgage into things, and how it's like in, as they're filming the movie, they're like trying this. So he's like this crazy homeless guy who's got a bag of melted chocolate bars, and they're trying to get him to participate in the movie for whatever reason. <laughs> and so Strong Bad is like, sort of like feeding him and compensating for all his lines. Uh-huh. Where he's like, he goes up to Sinar Cardgage, and he, Strong Bad's like carrying the whole conversation by himself. Uh-huh. It just it was so like clever. And then they like had this whole thing where they like had. Uh, 
Sinor Kargage or his character was Dadger-esque. They had this whole death scene where it's like they're filming it on is the he, roof of Bubskin. He's just kind of asleep on the roof. Yeah, he's just sleeping on the roof and they pretend like it's a death scene and then they cut the shot and then the, you see in the next shot he's just wandering off. He's gone! <laughs> you just see him walking away. It's so great. It's so great. I love that part. I love Sonar Cardgage. This is also the first time that they've actually drawn attention to the fact that Sonar Cardgage has strong bad's face. <laughs> Right. It's like they kind of, it's like this they never address that usually. It's, it's so, like so bizarre. Yeah, all the alternate versions of Strongbed <laughs> like being acknowledged as alternate versions of, like Stinko Man. Uh-huh. It's like when you get to the Stinko Man game in episode 5, Strong be like that's my favorite alternate version of myself <laughs> and it's like what? <laughs> it's so great. Like no, that. they should have done uh, sweet cup and cakes. You were talking about Ace Steve mm, earlier. Yeah. They should have totally added, they should have totally added a sweet cup and cakes level. I would have it would have been like sweet. like a whole moonside thing from Earthbound. Sweet Cup and Cakes was on the TV. If you look at the TV, one of the episodes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll switch gears. They should have had Caleb Brent pair be in this. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna keep griping about. Are you taking making a tent out of my new jacket? I, I sure am. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I think Danger Desk. I can't get behind it because they're hitbox uh, no, detection. No, no pun intended. Hit, well, uh, uh, I can't get behind uh, the danger desk. Well, they they hit box, box detection was really bad. And that I is hated true. It. I kept running into the wall. And it was weird. <laughs> but that was for a different podcast, right? We can't complain about games we're not talking about. Unless, <laughs> I thought that was the point. Unless they're well, we're just comparing them. Unless it it's Leisure Suit Larry, and then I can complain about it whenever I want. So if you guys had to pick, just sort of to wrap things up, since we're kind of uh, getting to. Uh, podcast time or reverse it's getting to that time of day again start well kids it's that time of day again it's time to give strong bad's cool game for attractive people another letter yeah so anton what letter grade would you give strong bad's cool game for attractive people i would give it a b plus oh any any justification for that, or are you just gonna? It was really solid and pretty great, but it also had some rough patches in terms mm. of like puzzle quality, mm. and maybe in terms of writing in the first couple of episodes. But it's probably just me. But I don't know. It wasn't like super innovative, but it was just like a lot of fun. Mm. So, Alex, what what's your letter grade? A minus. It was okay. Better than broken dumb. <laughs> Um, I, I would probably give it an A or an A minus. Um, like I said, I was a lot more. I enjoyed this a whole lot more on this playthrough, um, just from a standpoint of like getting to revisit these Homestar Inner characters again after so long, and just like you know get back into this universe and enjoy it. Um, I, I would say I, I enjoyed it a whole lot more this time around, and um, yeah, it was not consistently like difficult or anything like that. I mean, it was kind of on the easy side, but. You know, I I don't know. It just it all clicked for me this time in terms of like, you know, enjoying the experience. So I would give it, <laughs> I would give it an A. I'll go with A minus also, just because it wasn't you know perfect or anything like that. I'll go A minus. Less than perfection. Less Telltale than games. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so um, so I, how many years is it before we play another Telltale game? <laughs> I think we have one in the docket for 2017. Will it so kill was... the podcast that time? <laughs> I hope not. So, 
so we didn't get any feedback for this episode, unfortunately. But we came up with a fun alternate activity. We're going to call Phil, who is sitting a few rooms away, <laughs> and ask him what he thought of Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. Being an attractive person. Being an attractive person himself. We're going to give Phil a call. I'm looking at your, your image on your phone for Phil. Pretty attractive. He's an attractive guy. I'm going to bet he's not going to pick up. <laughs> I don't even know what he's doing. We've been back here recording for like the last hour and a half. You would. Phil, is it okay if we put your voice on the air? Sure. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Threepcast. Welcome, welcome. So, we are doing an episode on Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people. Have you played this game? Have you played this game, son? Yes. What was your opinion on Strong Bad's cool game for attractive people? I thought it was decent to mediocre. Whoa, those are some pretty unique opinions. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. What was your favorite puzzle? My favorite puzzle? Oh, gee, Wilkers, that takes me back. I like the one puzzle in which uh, Holmes was in your house and you had to get him out. That was a good one. Mmm. Mmm. Well, thank you for lending your voice to the show. Yeah. Can I keep it? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yay. I like doing that. So, anywho. Uh, <laughs> now, welcome to the studio. Welcome to the studio. <laughs> it's great to be here. Oh, man. Phil just came into the studio. Recording studio. <clears throat> I think he's just gonna sit, he's just gonna sit in the back and play his DS. I feel like we've gone off track. <laughs> it's time to end the madness. Time to end the madness. Oh, we Before forgot to, kills the podcast. We forgot though. to do the mid uh, announcement for next episode. Oh well. Okay. Why is this our next do dude? That all right, all right, all right. So, thank you guys for listening to Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People. We got some new stuff coming up. Um, our second scheduled mini-sode, which is our off-the-cuff, just like quickie discussions on games. We're going to be covering Day of the Tentacle Remastered, which comes out this month on the 22nd. We're Woo. going to be laying down some some serious opinions about this game, about this remastered classic. I'm just ready to complain about, like, random pixels they didn't trace over. Like, that's, <laughs> that's going to be all... I'm telling you now, that's all I'm going to complain about. I read something cool about it that I'm actually looking forward to, like, uh, messing around with. Um... So apparently, you know how you can switch back and forth between classic and advanced mode, and they, mm -hmm. like, for advanced mode, they ditch the, the scum interface and, like, just show you the uh, the top part of the screen. Uh. So they, like, c came up with this new verb coin kind of thing huh. for, the, for, for the verb, so you don't have to have all that clutter at the bottom of the screen. But if you so choose, you can also mix and match this new interface with the old version of the game. <laughs> so you can play classic Day of the Tentacle with a new interface. Whoa. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. We that, should uh, cool. just mess well, around with that a and bit. And the remastered audio. It's like, I can't be mad at it, but I can be mad at random pixels. pixels. <laughs> so that'll be the next mini-sode. If you guys are planning on playing it, uh, please send in your feedback to the show at podcast at ridgewayfilms.com so we can have some fun dialogue about this uh, this remastered game. This remastered classic. And so uh, for the next full episode, uh, we're going to kind of go off the beaten path a bit and go into one of the uh, the more obscure... I'm, I, you know, I actually honestly don't know if you can actually call it an adventure game. I'm assuming it's an adventure game. We got a recommendation to cover the classic, 
um, obscure CD-ROM game, Spaceship Warlock, which came out in 1991 for Mac and 1994 for Windows. Um, it's sort of like a precursor to Myst in some ways, because it's like a first-person pre-rendered explore-em-up game. I mean, we're going to give it a try and see what we think of it. None of us know anything about this game, really. I mean, you're in space. You're in space, and you're a you're warlock, a, You're a scoundrel. <clears throat> so, um, we're going to be doing that next. Um, because the game is, like, 100% out of print, um, we're not going to ask anybody to try to play this game yourselves. Um, you pretty much have to pirate it at this point, or or buy a, a used CD off of eBay. Yo, ho, yo. <laughs> um, yeah, that what, involves and, like setting up a Windows three point one. And yo, so, yeah, so yo. even it, even even if you acquire an actual disc of the game, it's incompatible with current operating systems. So you have to set up an emulator of some sort to emulate an old operating system like Windows three point one, and then play the game virtually inside of that. So because this is so involved and complex, we're not going to ask anybody to play it and send in feedback. But if you want to, you're certainly more than welcome to. Join my hearty pirate crew! <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so, that, that's what's coming up. Um, you guys have any thoughts about Spaceship Warlock? I'm, I'm excited to give it a go. I'm, right. I'm a fan of, like, stupid old games. Right. It's like, I enjoyed Phantasmagoria because it was stupid and old, and I feel I like... you hated it. <laughs> I mean, it was no, just... I hated it. Anton was kind of more kind I, to I, it. I was b- bemused, maybe. I mean, it was a terrible game, but it, I had bemusement. Are we going to do Phantasmagoria, too? No. Probably not. Electric <laughs> Boogaloo. Um, okay, so that's what's coming up. we got Day of the Tentacle Remastered and Spaceship Warlock. Um... So yeah, I think that's it. If you guys uh, are all done, can wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. The podcast is not dead! The podcast... Uh, uh, so cla- glad the podcast's not, not dead. The, the podcast's podcast not dead! Just the claps! Just the claps. Uh. So glad the podcast's not dead. The podcast's not dead! Uh. So glad the podcast's not dead. The podcast's not dead. So glad the podcast's not dead. See you next time. Today is alright for tonight. The time long past the conquest of space. Bow before the greatness of the crow. It is a time of human slavery under alien overlords. And from a backwater world somewhere in the eastern spiral arm of the galaxy comes a two-fisted hero. Listen up. I hereby take command of this tub in the name of the war. Any objections? A hero destined to join forces with a breed of outlaws. A hero who can win the charms of a stellar beauty. My name is Stella.
I'm pleased to meet you. You think I'm just a low-down pirate? A hero with nerves of steel. I don't like your face. Put him up, Terry. Let's see what you're made of. <laughs> ha, thanks. A hero with courage and daring. Man your marauder on the hangar deck. Now. A swan with the power to save the human race from deck of annihilation. Space pirates are certainly a bother for crawl trade. Who? These babies are solid gold. Who is the one who stands between the forces of evil and the entire civilized galaxy? You, yes, you are the star of a blazing interactive movie on CD-ROM. See the wonders of the galaxy. Explore Forbidden Realms. Walk the decks of a mighty starship as if you are there. Glad I'm not in your shoes. Captain wants you for a suicide mission. He's waiting for you on the bridge. Move your butt and get down there. Embark on a journey, a journey across the galaxy in the ultimate adventure. <laughs>